Hey, it's Margot Tantow here. Welcome to Windowsill Chats, a podcast for creatives and the creatively curious. I am so glad you're here. I've spent decades working with artists and being one myself. I've spent time in the trenches, figuring out the best way to get something made, how to put oneself out there, how to get your work noticed, and pull yourself up and face the next challenge. Windowsill Chats brings you creativity from a global perspective, as I talk in depth to friends I've met along the way. I'm here to bring their stories to you, as well as a few of my own, and see if there's anything you can pull out for yourself. Maybe a laugh, something you can relate to, and definitely a little bit more community for your quiet corner. So grab a cup of tea or coffee or a glass of wine and join me over in my sunny windowsill. Yes, I need your trouble. of windowsill chats. I am so truly glad that you're here with me today or tonight or whatever it might be for you. This week, I have the pleasure of talking in depth to my friend, jeweler Kat McCadden. Kat is a phenomenal artist. She's super true to her ideas and ideals. And we have a really great conversation just digging into the ups and downs of the creative path, hers particularly, and just determination and stick-to-itiveness and vision and see and organic life and business life, all those things. Before I tell you more about Kat, however, let me read this week's Windowsill Chats review. Thanks to Sarah Radiant Home for leaving these great words. Uplifting and practical. This is such a lovely podcast. Margot and her guests chatting about their creative pursuits while we get to eavesdrop. There is so much to learn. I'm inspired by each story and learning more about the practical side of a creative business as well. Everyone has a different journey and their openness in sharing their stories is very generous. Margot has a gift for making her guests feel comfortable and valued. Thank you. I'm looking forward to more creative goodness. Thank you, Sarah. If you'd like to leave your own review, I would love to see what you're thinking about windowsill chats, and I might even read it online. Go ahead when you listen and go all the way to the bottom of the page and press leave review, and you can do so. I'd really appreciate it. This is particularly relevant uh, to my conversation with Kat today because we really do dig into a slightly different type of business, a a metal smithing, silver, gold, jewelry, wax, jewelry making business, I should say. And we definitely touch on the business aspect as well. So I'm glad, I'm glad that resonates for you. Kat's art practice draws inspiration from the natural environment, the sea, most of all, and coastal culture. In her work, she mixes traditional metalsmith fabrication techniques, the lost wax casting process, and an edgy eye for design with other traditional gemstone and jewelry references. 
The result is a hybrid contemporary style with textural motifs and lively depiction of oceanic forms. She has exhibited on the West and East Coasts and currently sells her collection in over a dozen different cities from Boston, Massachusetts to Hanalei, Hawaii, and in museums including the Fry Art Museum Store and the Museum of Fine Art in Houston. Kat maintains a retail e-commerce website, develops commissioned sculptural pieces, private label product design solution, as well as reimagining family heirlooms into new modern pieces for private clients. And as we get into, she also teaches online and you yourself can do wax casting with her, wax carving, and then she casts it for you. It's pretty stellar and amazing. So born and raised in New Jersey, Kat earned her Bachelor of Arts from Binghamton University in upstate New York graduating with honors in art history. She later studied art direction at the Creative Circus in Atlanta, Georgia, and honed her technical jewelry making skills at Pratt Fine Art and North Seattle Community College in Seattle. She's been mentioned in loads of press, Daily Candy, Gray, Seattle Met Magazine, all sorts of things like that, Sunset. But I'm just excited for you to sit back and listen to what Kat has to say about her path, her practice, her process, and what's next for her. Also, I know you've heard me mention windowsill workshops, and that is definitely in the works. What we are planning for you are workshops once a month that feature one of the artists you have heard here on Windowsill Chats. Kat, who we hear from today, is definitely one of the ones that we will be starting with in the fall. So if you'd like to know more about that, hop over to Tantau Studio. The link is in my Instagram bio, and you can hop on the mailing list and be informed when Windowsill Workshop starts up. But it might be a great chance for you to carve your own wax ring form and have your own piece of jewelry made for you. So thanks again for being here, and here is Kat McCadden, also known as Grace Go Jewelry. I am the luckiest to be sitting here today with Kat McCadden, a relatively new friend of mine, just because we happen to live in the same place, although we don't see each other nearly often enough. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Pleasure, pleasure. Good to see you. First, I saw Kat's work. Here on Vashon, we have something called Vashon Center for the Arts, and it has a little gallery. And I remember going in and seeing this silver that was, it was just very organic and very of the sea and sort of silver barnacles and and tiny crab claws and silver and was like, what is this? Who is this? You know, I thought I knew who was making things around here. So that was my sort of first, you know, what? And, And then... Then I got to meet you and and take a class from you. So thanks for being here. I just want to dig into a little bit more about who you are and why you do what you do and how you get there. So did you grow up by the ocean? I did. I grew up in New Jersey. So a very different experience of being near the ocean than mine and ours that we have right now. But I did grow up near the ocean, both in my childhood home, which was in South Jersey. So about 30 minutes from the Jersey shore, Long Beach Island was the little town I always went to Mm. surf city specifically, sometimes beach Haven. Um, but yeah, those warm Atlantic waters, super sandy beaches, dunes with grass blowing, not so many rocks. Definitely. Um, definitely awesome. Just growing up there, going every chance I could, once I could drive, like that Mm. was the first place we would escape to with like the learner's permit and two hours of free time. We would just go and escape and skinny dipping in the ocean at night. I did that. I mean, it was just really cool memories once I was um, 
you know, a young person with some mobility. And before that, as a kid, we would go. But then also a very different scene and not a drive away, but a couple hours away, Grace Gow, my namesake for my collection and brand. Um, she and my grandfather had a little summer cottage on the east end of Long Island in Southhold. Um, it's near Greenport. Now where there are all wineries at the time mm-hmm. when I would go mm-hmm. out, they were potato fields and it's a rocky coast and it's um, inlets and more currents that rip because you're really out in the Long Island sound and you've got this giant ferry that goes to Connecticut. And so that was a really different thing. My brother and I would be sent out there happily. So for two or three weeks in the summer without my mom. And so really cool experiences, just being out in a rowboat in inlets with like not any water and no sunscreen and just having the best time and, you know, early childhood stuff like that. And then, you know, that, that kind of came to a close in my teenage years, but those are the two places I spent my like most amazing water oceanside Mm. memories that to this day are just fond and inspire me. Oh, I love that. You can tell they're so deep and entrenched and inspiring. I love that. So I was wondering, you know, about kind of your path, your into jewelry, you know, kind of what you did before that, or did you always know that? And was it always kind of water related or when did that all kind of unfold? Yeah, it's a really windy journey. I mean, a really windy one. Um, I guess, you know, I can start at the beginning. Um, Please do. To start. Yeah. I went to college in upstate New York and I thought I wanted to be an architect and I had applied to go to architecture school after college. And well, I should say I had my applications on the table and I just was like, that's not for me. I don't think that's right. And so I ended up moving to Atlanta, Georgia. It was like no real idea of what I was doing. My high school friend and I just decided to move and our parents were like, why are you going there? Each had been there like two times separately. I did that once. (laughs) Yeah. It was just like, let's just do this. And so I went there and looking in the paper, because that was the thing you did to find a job. And I got a job at a, uh, my first job out of college was working at a high-end printing company where they had like four and five and six color Heidelberg presses there. So I learned about like all this cool stuff around like how to print paper, what good paper is going to paper mills and then fancy ways to produce it. So like die cuts and emboss and deboss and glosses and all these, like, just think of like the nicest collateral you've ever, um, you know, the the most expensive annual report you've ever maybe seen or even, you know, things like that. So I learned about that and I worked at that job for a year and I just was sitting across the table from the most creative people. And I knew that I wanted to do that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I wanted to do what they were doing. I didn't want to work at the print shop. I wanted to create what these cool things were. So that was really where I turned my career towards anything remotely artistic. So I went to um, graduate school down there for graphic design. And so that was where I got in front of a Mac and started working with photographers and, you know, I ended up working in advertising as an art director and then left Atlanta, ended up moving up to the Philadelphia area. So back closer to Jersey and um, worked as an art director in advertising there as well. And it wasn't until I moved to Seattle um, that I sort of did a big, you know, kind of turn and things and ended up working for a tech company, a small, like little startup. Um, and this is like 18 years ago. So this is in um, 2002, right, three. And yeah. And so then I was working 
doing a creative job within a uncreative environment, but it was a really cool job at the time because I was a designer and I worked with other designers and I did that work for about eight years and I worked my way up the ladder. And as you do as a creative professional, sometimes I sort of worked my way more seniorly to be very far away from anything that was creative. And I, uh, I literally had an epiphany because I was a direct, a director somewhere, director, and I had an office with no windows. <laughs> and I just sat there and was like, "Are you kidding? This is not good. You know, this yeah. does not feel good." <laughs> so it was at that time that I really just took my love of all these other creative pursuits I had done along the way, and I had taken sculpture classes in college, and had always made stuff with my hands and upholstered chairs, and you know, I'd always been making things along the way. But but never had really thought about bringing that into like a more of a career sense. And so it was when I was at this, like, for me, my pinnacle, my corporate pinnacle moment is when I was like, I need to start to make something and figure this out. And so I started making earrings then earrings and necklaces with pre-drilled like agates and petrified wood and cool bones. And like, I like that rougher natural scene of things. And I would go to the Seattle center to the gem and mineral show. Yeah. And that's where I would acquire these treasures and bring them back and go to my corporate job and come back. But at night and weekends, I would make stuff. And Mm -hmm. then um, a friend of mine, a very dear friend had a clothing store at the time. This is in like 2007. And I had a trunk show, which I thought was a wild idea. And I did. And a and the earrings sold (laughs) earrings sold and the necklaces sold. And, you know, at that point, my skill level resided simply with like wire and some tool pliers. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. Cut just bending wire and putting it through pre-drilled stones that were pretty and sometimes using chains. So playing with like movement and dangle and, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But really the, my skills were very rudimentary in the making category and I knew it and I was fine with it. Um, And then that just progressed over years where I would just sort of learn and make and push and pull and just sort of try to do more. And then um, it was about 10 years ago that I was still, you know, I'd freelanced for a bit in the corporate world. And so a toe in, a toe out and had done some bigger creative projects along the way. I co-opened a store in Capitol Hill that I Mm. used as my jewelry showroom. So I was figuring out how to formalize things and, you know, how do you make a business of it? Not only, not only the creative point of view was not figured out, but I also did not know how to even bring it close to being like a sustainable money-making venture to be the job. So I was still, you know, working freelance and um, I got an offer to go back full-time somewhere as a sort of big job as a creative director at a small firm. And I said, yes. And about eight months later, (laughs) they let, they let all of us go. And that was my moment because I got a little severing. I had, I could just figure it out for one year. And I took many classes at Pratt over in, uh, over in yeah, off Yesler. Mm-hmm. And I took metal smithing classes and I got to be around other artists and yes. I got to see all these um, amazing teachers who were the teachers at Pratt who did all these different things with their art. I love that. Like some were creating businesses, some were not, and some were creating art for certain usages and certain audiences. And everyone just had these different stories. And so going to school there, it was over about 10 months. So I took mm-hmm. about, you know, 
nine class. I took it over 12 months. I took about 10 classes there and a couple up at North Seattle Community College. And um, I just learned a lot from all the people I got to be around, all the peers, all the fellow makers, and then all the teachers. And at the end of that, it was a sprint. And after the end of that year, I gave myself that time. And I told myself I had to have something out in the world to sell and to, wow. to, to present to the world. Because, you know, if Grace Cotting... Grace, yeah, time is up. And, you know, Grace Coddington said in that cool movie, um, September issue, you know, she said, if, if your work isn't out in the world, is it relevant? You know, and to me, to me, it had to be out in front of others other than myself for it to be relevant. And so I did. And I launched a collection and then things have evolved from there as a jewelry designer and a metalsmith in a, in a more organized way. I love that so much. I appreciate you going into really into that path because I think there's probably so many people that are like, oh yeah, that part's me and that part's me and that part's me. And could I do that? And I have done that. And I just think that crazy backhanded opportunity that often we're given when something happens and our job is not there anymore, or all of a sudden it changes, or we need to care give for somebody or whatever it is. But um, op- let's call it opportunity. You know, the opportunity comes for all of a sudden for you to have a, maybe a condensed amount of time. But if like, how do you use that and, and, you know, change your trajectory? And I, I love that. And, and now, I mean, there, well, jewelry, it's different because you need to be hands-on and you, unless you ha- you're lucky enough to have some things to work with at home, but I love that you went to Pratt and took those nine or 10 classes. That makes me so itchy to <laughs> take more because I love it so much. But you knew, I mean, I always felt like since I've known you that you're you're a marketer for sure. You're visual. You, you know what you want something to sound like and look like. And you guys will see that if you look at, when you look at Kat's website. But I just love that you, you it felt like you approached that with a determined will and, and the outcome of here it is. At the end of this, I need to put something in the world or go find another job in an office with no windows. So which of those sounds more fun, you know? Absolutely. And I can say, um, yeah, I did. I was determined and you know, it's just, it's good old fashioned hard work and it is hard, you know, to like, cause you're juggling a lot in all those transitions. I mean, you still are as a maker when it's your full-time thing, but that transition time is bumpy. And it was for me for sure. You know, um, I can say that from this perspective, every single job I have ever had in my life, I have, I can say now, honestly, in my current incarnation of my, not just my jewelry business, but in my art practice, Mm -hmm. I can take something. I mean, it's really interesting from a customer service thing from like my first jobs as a young person in like working Mm -hmm. in a drugstore and learning like about a, you know, cash register. (laughs) I mean, to like much more further along jobs where it's just like how to manage a couple different vendors at once and like how to be efficient about that. And so, yeah, but in the moment it doesn't feel that way. It just feels like, um, you know, I, I didn't know where I was going, but I, it feels not totally clear and figured out, but every day is a puzzle a bit, but it's nice to at least say like, okay, all these wavy turns along the way I can draw some line back to them. Yeah. I think that's a great thing to, to remember. I remember my uncle used to say to my mom, what's Margo doing now? You know, and it would be, (laughs) you know, and I, I graduated with a design degree, not really having a whole lot of direction, but yet a degree and thinking I should go get that job and have that job, whatever that was. And, and I, I had that job and it wasn't, I was like, this isn't what, this isn't very 
this isn't what I thought I wanted to do, or this isn't filling anything for me. But then as you go, it really is, you're taking from it what lots of things, you know, and, and to be able to look back and realize for if anybody's sitting there thinking, I can't leave. Um, well, you can actually, there's a lot of things you can leave if they're not serving you. And, um, and then you take, take the best of yourself and, and what hope and what you've learned. And I think looking at what you've built, the business and beautiful, um, products that you put out into the world and that people get to then own and carry that piece of your vision with them is that's super fulfilling. It is. And it is a hundred percent the best part, the sentimental attachment that I get to in a outside way facilitate with a person and their story. And this piece of jewelry is stunning, you know, whether it's a piece of the collection, like the sapphire ring you were looking at, or if it's wedding jewelry, right? So I work with people who make original stuff. They have a stone from an aunt or grandmother. They have ideas of how they want this to be. And I mean, every time I get involved in those projects, the deep meaning of whatever it is for them, what we are creating together, but ultimately ultimately it's the meaning to those people or person. It's amazing. Like it really is the best And that, you know, the ocean inspiration, it isn't just that the ocean is cathartic for me, but there's like, you know, wildness and a freedom to the ocean. And I kind of want to honor that like for the, the women and people and men that inspire the, the jewelry and that, that piece in all of us. Yeah. I just think it must be so cool to make just to work through that. And like you were saying, the, the ocean and the, the wildness of anything. And do, do people come to you for one of a kind things that do you ever run into it where they want like, I want a solitaire or, or they just really, do they come to you because of the style that, and the vibe that you put out? Do you think? No, I haven't had anyone come my way saying they want something that looks like a very repeatable design. I'm really grateful that people who have come my way for custom pieces, sometimes it's based on a piece in the collection where they say, I love that ring. Can we do that around? Well, that's what we just did on my last engagement ring project. It was a beautiful engagement ring for this man who had dove for the mother of pearl shell brought me, you know, this was from former in his life, 15, 20 years ago. He dove for the shell, has this shell, has this amazing relationship with his partner that involves water and trips to Alaska. Mm. And he comes to me to create an engagement ring. And we talk about the center stone, which was a rough diamond, but then he presents this mother of pearl, the abalone, the whole shell to me and says, Kat, can we pull out some of this and use it as inlay in the stone? And I said, never done it before, but let's figure it out. And so I found an inlay person and someone who could work with this and the, um, the ring exists now and it's on her finger. And he, and she said, yes. Um, but that is such an amazing example of where someone came my way and were like either ocean inspired, sea inspired. They had some connection to the water and that became a part of what we created together. And that it's, it's amazing. It's great. And it, it's, it's always, um, a new sort of element that we're incorporating. If it's just an idea, maybe it's, you know, a piece of jewelry, like a signet ring, but like changing it up a little bit, but the inspiration of the ocean and the water is always an influence throughout. I love it. I mean, I, I think some big chunky things like 
for those of you listening, we were all together at an opening the other night and Priscilla, this gal had it on her hand and it looked so good on her that just, just the really big one that you do. You know, I'm wondering, sometimes I do a little bit of just a very, very little bit of silversmithing, but one of the things um, I've talked about with friends before is when you get to the point where people are asking you to, to do a lot of things and it it limits the time you have to create what you would want to if no if you were doing no custom and and i feel like that's often the most important time is to is to be able to create a new collection or just dig into something do you feel like you have that balance pretty well or is that tricky it's so tricky and i lo- your question and your just your statement of what you just said is so where i've been <laughs> recently <laughs> and um yeah. I mean, I, I would say there's, I mean, I would, yeah, there's three buckets to balance. There's the true creative work for a new collection that is of a point of view, artistically driven as an artist. Then there's custom, which is its own interaction with other. And then I would say all the business is over here, <laughs> the, the running of the business. And my, yeah. frankly, the last year has been me trying to get those three buckets figured out so that I'm available to the outside world, call it custom, call it customer service, call it that, call it being on top of my books, on top of my (sighs) website updates, on top of my SEO. And then over here separately is like, okay. Oh yeah. Creativity. What? Yeah. What? Oh, raw gemstones. What, what, cut are we doing? What is the interaction between the like, you know, side stones and the setting and the metal that we cast in? Is it 14K? Is it 18K? All those creative decisions have to happen too. And so I can tell you this every week, month, and day that I get a little more organized in organizing those three buckets, the better my creative Mm -hmm. abilities get. And that's just the direct payout right there. And so things are in a better place than they were this time last year yeah. for many reasons. Um, in that it's, it's almost a struggle though. Cause like, I kind of feel like the, um, the, the business side of it and being behind the laptop, like pulls me down and talk, talk about a water analogy. It pulls me down <laughs> in the water and I have to like claw my way back to like a creative inspired, like, um, free-minded, open-minded, right. Cause the other side of it is truly drilling down into the details of everything. Absolutely. <laughs> so then you have this, and then you have to come you're, you're up the other side. At dinner and you're, you know, commuting to to the studio and and all those things. And I I just think it's it's important um to give ourselves grace for that, but then also to like figure out a way through it. So so that you do have those moments where you are creating and that is sometimes a lot of times easier said than done. But it sure looks like you're doing a lot of creative things. I'm more strict with myself. I just, I'm, I time block. I really try to time block everything and be strict with myself about it. Like you have two hours to get that pile of paperwork done. You have one hour to get X, Y, Z kind of packaging, shipping, you know, what's happening, coming and going done. Then go in that room. I mean, I'm pointing figuratively down at my studio, like then you go in there and work with wax and set stones out and just, you know, and I don't always pull that off because usually there's a million interruptions and then my Instagram's going off and four people have DM'd me and right. So it's really managing like all of those interruptions somehow to partition time. And when I'm good at it, things are good. They have been improving, <laughs> but when it's bad, it's very bad. You know, it's just like some days go by and it's like, I've just been reacting you know, well, so I think it's, it's good to, um, 
just touch on that because I think that's true for so many of us in this creative on anything practice, right? It's just figuring out how to bucket that time for the things that need to be done in different ways. And, and it is, you, you kind of have to be strict with yourself. Like if you want the reward, you have to do the thing. Like I have to do the paperwork to get to the time of free creativity or whatever it is, but it's just, it's nice to hear that we're all human and we have that thing. Well, and I found like when things were off kilter, I was sort of just not making anything. I was spending Mm -hmm. a lot of time, like, you know, images and talking and emailing and customer stuff, but I just sort of wasn't boundaried with it. So it just bled out into every week, every part of every day. And now I try to do days of the week, like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I try to have like maker, mostly maker days, like hands on something. Mm. And then Tuesday, Thursday, I'll sacrifice to just sitting in front of my computer slash not just, you know, it's important, but like saying that's where I'll be. Cause I got wild. I got really off track. Like I didn't make anything new. I mean, there was a lot going on with like COVID and my creative inspiration was like, (laughs) not there. There was a lot happening that was challenging. So maybe it had to burn down to rise in a new or new order. But I do try to do that now more to make sure like by day that I balance making stuff and then meetings and, you know, all the rest. Yeah. I love, I love talking about, I mean, I just think that's, thank you for that. You know, you were describing your new collection in a way that I just think it kind of encapsulates all that. And I love that you have come out with the erosion collection because you know, it's a lovely organic word to begin with, but then how it, you know, why, (laughs) why did you pick that? And what does it mean? Kind of thing. I thought that was great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, um, it's really all about just the constant waves of life coming at us all in all the ways. And specifically, you know, I, I felt like this last year challenged me, like, are you creative? Can you keep this going? Like what's going to happen with the, with the world? Like all of these big questions. And it just felt relentless um, in moments and really hard. And I know a lot of people felt that way. And so when I sat down in front of wax, which is, as I kind of mentioned, my favorite medium to work in and to just carve and zone into and, and, you know, really create with my hands in a way that um, is a little different when you're working with metal um, which the wax ends up getting cast into, right? So it's small sculpture that you can just really push texture into. You can melt, you can file away, you can remove material. And something about that felt so parallel to this idea of like the relentless assault of all of these things. And I felt eroded by it. And I had to really conjure my resilience to keep it all together and keep things growing in a positive path, not just maintaining, but the hope is to grow. Right. And so that seemed really hard. And um, yeah, I felt like it was, it was, it was as if the waves were just washing over me and I felt eroded at a point. And I think Mm -hmm. in terms of the physical form, it's really smooth to wear on your finger. It's really comforting. Um, All the, the rings, Margo, that we were looking at, they're really kind of wrap around your finger and are melted onto the form and curve of your finger. Mm -hmm. So they, they feel really smooth, um, but still, you know, organic and textural. So with with really organic stones and elements in them too, it's, it's stunning. I mean, I've, I think your work is stunning anyway, but um, every once in a while you see something that just like, 
oh my goodness, what is happening here? So I love that it has that meaning and and that it's out in the world and that you found a way to work through, work with it, I should say. Speaking of wax, another thing you haven't even touched on is the courses that you teach. The, and it's, you know, I think COVID pushed you to figure out how to do this differently. And and I think you did amazing things there. Some of you might've seen just a little bit of posting that I, I did on some of Kat's kits and things like that. But um, talk a little bit about your love of wax and that process and kind of how you've been able to share it with other people. Cause I think that's rare and super cool. Well, from a material standpoint, it's just the best. It's like a really humble material. It's not very expensive and you can manipulate it and do stuff with it with like barely any tools, the, everything you have in your house, things like sandpaper, exacto blades, any blade, um, candle, heat, um, can shape wax into something. So as a student, when I was taking all those classes at Pratt, I just loved it. It was amazing. And then we would step into the back of the metalsmithing studio and then cast it into a ring. And so, you know, 10 minutes later, you just were carving something and now it's in metal. Mind blown. That's the lost wax casting process, right? So that was when I really loved wax. And I felt like hammering metal and filing metal and like drilling into it and, and you know, working with metal as a material, it was cool, but wax was very creative for me. And one of the things I, I don't really sketch. I feel like I just, I have to work in the wax. I don't, I can draw maybe like, Oh, the ring will be wider at the top and narrow at the bottom or something like that. But I usually just am carving it and kind of figuring it out as I go. So that to me feels very free. And like the process itself is like awesome in that way. It's very like, let's see what happens, you know? Um, so all the reasons why I love wax there, but, um, I mean, basically the workshops that Margo, you, you were lovely enough to join me for, um, in Heidi's studio there, that was born out of, um, kind of a really organic way. I had a custom customer come into my studio because we were looking at some stones in relation to a ring. I had carved that we're going to go into the ring. And so she was curious about this wax and I showed her, I, you know, handed her a blank and some of these basic tools. And she was just playing with it while I was kind of playing with the stones and setting them in this wax that was going to later become an um, engagement ring. Um, and so basically she said, Oh, could we, could, could you teach me how to do this in like slightly more formal way? So out of that came like a small group of friends gathered around with these basic tools. And I mean, from there, it was a really cool way for me to get out of my studio and get with people again. Like I had an amazing time teaching and like seeing people's eyes light up and having an instant reaction. And suddenly it wasn't about me making and me selling. It was about people hanging out again and doing something creative together. And so I just loved that part of it. Um, and then a side benefit of it or large benefit of it was that people got to meet me and know yeah. the artist and know the maker. And so then maybe further down the road, a few months, years, whatever, they've had to meet me. They've had a chance to see my work initially. So maybe they'll revisit and be like, oh, I'm thinking about that ring or whatever it might be. So when that started to happen, it was sort of a win, win, win. And um, really lovely moments were starting to happen in the Wax On Workshop. Like mm. a couple came to do their anniversary, like their eight year mm. anniversary amongst others. We were carving mm. at the, um, the Glassy Baby Hot Shop and there was about 12 people in that carve and two of them were there to like commemorate their anniversary and they made rings for each other. And, you know, lots of times people would bring a stone from their life from something in the back of their jewelry box. And I 
oftentimes help them reimagine that into something that they've partially made. I complete or execute on sort of in a more technical way. And then we can incorporate a stone or even a design that they wanted to do. So just, it's just real, again, back to these sentimental moments. It was, it was really becoming lovely. Some really amazing things were growing out of the wax on workshop. And I was booking them out into physical spaces that weren't my own because my studio is tiny and it's not for this. So, um, so when COVID came and everything ended, it was very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, for all the reasons, but the workshops halted. And so then it was at that time that I, uh, well, it was in the fall after, you know, the summer of COVID that I formulated the wow to go kit, the ring kit. Um, and that is all these tools that you can use and purchase and you just order at home. And then I teach online classes as well. So now I have a blended model where I have online, I'm doing an online class actually with three people in California on Sunday, this Sunday, but then I have, thankfully with things opening up, I have out in the world carves as well. So the wax on workshop lives on and it's, I, I intend on doing, you know, about two a month and I'm starting to do them in Portland. I have several Portland dates. I have Seattle and then looking at San Francisco later in the month too, popping down there for a weekend. So it's really fun and a really great way for people to like make their own fine jewelry. It's the best way to make yourself jewelry because I will help you get it to where you want, but you get to feel inspired and start, and I'll help you coach you through, um, the ways you can actually, with your very own hands, make something beautiful. Yeah. And the cool thing is you can order this kit and, and do this online if you're nowhere near the West coast and get this ring in the mail. The cool thing I'm repeating myself apparently. Um, so I've taken, I've made two and the second one I have, I wear it all the time and it's, there's something really unique. Like I'd heard about, I mean, I'd n- known what lost wax casting was, but it just felt so completely daunting to me. But there you are sitting with you, Kat, just f- playing, right? Basically. And you're, you know, within reason, because you're going to make this thing. And then you get to pick what it's cast in. And then you go to your mailbox and there it is. And then you get to put on this amazing thing that you made. And the cool thing is with wax, it's not like drawing a picture where you put the red pen. It's kind of like ceramics and how glazes are a slightly different color because you're looking at it in wax. And then when you see it in silver or something, it's just more magical than you thought it was going to be. Um, and it, so it just makes me want to do more is all. And I love that you've made this part of your offering in your practice, because I just think it, like you said, it begins a relationship with you where you're, you're helping somebody else's creativity and maybe occasion or whatever that might be. And then they're seeing you and what you do in a different light. So that's a, that's a good, we get to know each other. Yeah. We get to know each other. Um, and it's a really, I just, I also think, you know, from a, a societal standpoint, I think we are many of us on this earth are moving away from things that other people have from, from anything mass produced, like when possible, not what you want, you know? And so in that vein of fulfilling, I think, which is a very, I mean, I've always felt it like the handmade is more interesting. The, the, the more unique and slightly wabi-sabi is better. Like these are the positions I've held. So for those people who are more free-minded, independent. They just have a different, maybe a different nod at tradition, you know, whatever it is, that's a way for you to have like really cool, fine jewelry or or jewelry period. That is 
no one else has it. It's just totally right. unique. And I think that makes it special in this time of Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> to pick a word. Absolutely. I, I'm, I mean, that's my soapbox is unique. Um, do it your way. Don't copy all those things, which are, um, I'm sure many of us share, but the way that you've enabled other people to play in that area. And then the work that you put out is so, so you and so unique. And, and I just love how it all comes together and that, and then the world is getting to a place where you can do it in person again, but just the way you were able to, to make it happen with COVID was pretty impressive and beautiful. These kits are stunning looking too. They're very cool. It's like the best bento box ever. <laughs> totally sustainable recycling packaging. We take that very, very important. So yeah, good. I'm glad you like it. Yeah. So what are, what are plans? What's your next steps? Do you think besides just figuring out what to do on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday? Well, probably the biggest thing of, um, you know, no, and relevance to you for sure. in our conversation is I'm, um, I'm kind of like work. I am working on um, an art project, a project that's a group show. It's something happening in the fall and it's kind of me playing with bigger scale. It's not jewelry scale. It's bigger than jewelry. I Yay. can say that it's not jewelry scale. Awesome. Um, same point of view, same point of view as I carry through all my work, which is that of the ocean and the organic elements and sort of a wildness of the simplicity and all that. But I do um, I'm playing with, um, yeah, I'm playing with kind of bringing, scaling up what you know is jewelry, the barnacle forms and different elements of the erosion collection, kind of like, um, yeah, sandblasted looking elements nice. and bringing them up a little bit and playing around with light. And, and you know, I'm figuring mm -hmm. out how to, you know, how could I create this as metal, right? So when metal's perforated or when metal has, say, an agate or some natural element over it and you backlight it, it's kind of um, can be beautiful. So I'm playing around with, and when I say playing, I really do have things everywhere and I don't have it figured out, <laughs> but that's um, something I'm working on for the fall, which is very exciting. And I'd love to tell you more about it when things are a little more figured out. <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't wait that I, you know, I really always feel like as creatives, we're not, we don't think one way. We don't think one size or one medium or anything like that. And I can't wait to see what you come up with. Yeah, kind of an interesting, let's see how we can play with this idea of like phosphorescence and reflection and kind of that ideas in there. So, yeah. Mm, awesome. So are you going to offer, um, to take a class online, do people um, need to find a group to sign up with? Or are you going to offer like Tuesday class or something like that, that people can join in on? The events page at grayscow.com just yesterday morning, we updated with all sorts of dates uh, through December. So there's at least two dates per month right now. And I'll probably be adding a third to each month. And like I mentioned, different locations. Um, the next one I'll be teaching her on Vashon is at Heidi Anderson's shop, Ha and Co on August 5th. So that's awesome. up on the site. So if you just go to grayscow.com and hit the events, um, tab in the nav, you will see all of it right there for you. And, um, you can click on the date and time you like, um, and then, yeah, you just show up with your creativity and everything else is there for you. Aren't you organized? That's, that's awesome. I, that's great. And I highly recommend these highly, 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 and you can do it from many places. So that's, that's a good thing. And I like to recommend if people want to join a class that they 
do so. And then they think about an organic element in their life that inspires them. It could be a bookend on your shelf. That's a cool rock. It could be a favorite shell. It could be a twig that's off your front, you know, front yard tree. But um, I like to encourage folks to bring like an organic element or two with them. And then sometimes that's a fun place to start when we're thinking about inspiration and texture and like, what are we going to make this ring into? We can sometimes start with that object or the meaning behind it and And that's always a great place to begin. I love that full circle. So good. I, um, I think you've given so many, it's just, it's nice to be able to relate to, you know, even there's a lot of people listening who maybe are illustrators or photographers or wish they did something. So I love hearing from, um, just your path and what you've done and that you've found such a home um, with wax and metal and things like that. And, and the really honest bits about the business of it all too, and keeping it track, keeping track of it. Cause when you were talking about that, you weren't even talking about managing the classes and that's a whole nother thing. So, you know, perspective, if you were going to start now, do you think you'd do something differently? I mean, yeah, if I knew, I mean, I want, I could say, no, it's all just the way it is, but no, if I knew what I know now, I would, yeah, as a young person, I would go to way more mines and ge- I get way more into gemology and wander around the earth. Like when I was in my young traveling, live out of a backpack days and check out mines. I wasn't doing that. You know, um, I would maybe consider the GIA, which is the Gemological Institute of America, which is in Cali. And I would become a metalsmith like younger, you know, but I, because I love it. You know, it's like hard to imagine like any other path that I've had because this is reality, but it is exciting to think that young people now that are like into metal smithing, I think, yeah, the trades are challenging and yeah, there's a lot of technology, but I think that just makes it that much more special. And so, um, you know, it's like, I'm so, so delighted and grateful that I am where I am and figured it out to this point. But, um, yeah, I, there's tons of cool things I would do. I mean, I even think about that down the road, like 20 years from now, like yeah. I maybe want to be driving around. I want to, I want to get in the dirt and go, you know, see those, that part of what I think is so beautiful, but mm-hmm. it were many degrees of separation away from where this gorgeous geology that we talk about as stones and gems in our modern societies. We're far away from where that begins. Although, you know, Montana is right there and that's where the sapphires are from that, right. that we're looking at in erosion. So I can just start by going to Montana. So there you go. yeah, maybe. Maybe I've just found my next road trip. <laughs> Go stake your claim. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. But it is, you know, it's interesting. Just there's that whole part of it, the geology and the stones. And, you know, we have agates on our beaches here every once in a lucky while. And um, I grew up near a giant deposit of chrysocolla, not having any idea what it was. Just that pretty green, blue stone, you know, and who knows what, who knows what we pass over every day. So I think, again, as we grow in our um, pursuits or careers or creativeness or whatever, it's really fun to, to be able to dig into some of that and learn it. Yeah. So, yeah. So That's deep. part of it. Cause I think then you just can think more fluid. It's like a language, right? Like I had to go to Pratt, all those classes to kind of even be able to think about what I wanted to make, you know, cause I, until I knew the material better, I couldn't, it would just, it was just, I don't know, it was surface. It was a surface right. idea. So I think that's only true too with the gems and the stones that we 
that we wear around, that we wear on our, put on our bodies, you know? I mean, when you think about it, it is truly the, the natural time capsule, right? It's a natural something that was made very long ago and it holds that energy. It's cool. Tell me who's inspiring you. I always love that part. I just watched a really good uh, documentary, biography documentary about Jun Kaneko, who is a Japanese sculptor and just worked super, super large scale and brought, he and his wife, Ray Kaneko, had this like awesome um, center that they built in Cleveland and they built the biggest kilns ever, <laughs> you know, it was like these, oh, this, wow. claim to, this claim to fame, but um, kind of that aside, what he did with like shape and form and because I'm over here figuring out what I'm doing with like tiny jewelry scale to not jewelry scale, but not bigger than a watermelon, you know, like, but that's the scale I'm in. I'm fascinated by people that work so big. I had a neighbor in the city before I moved to Vashon and he was a sculptor and he sculpted huge format. I mean, these multi, multi-ton stone sculptures that would get installed on like a cliff in Ireland, you know, a grassy overlook in Ireland. And they hold this thing halfway around the world. And the scale, so the scale of things is fascinating to me, the effort that that goes into it. And then the impact of it. Um, and when you're looking at something that's higher than eye level, you know, kind of cool, the whole thing. That always has fascinated me, you know, the scale and figuring that out or, or watching a stone cover, like bring something out of a, of a solid element is, you know, or like a Calder, who's my personal hero, you know, large and small and whimsical and serious and all of it. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then someone else I've been thinking about lately is Elsa Peretti, because I just watched Halston, which was amazing in so many design ways, the like (gasps) the Halston clothes and all that and the style of an era. And then separately, Elsa Peretti as a jewelry designer oh, um, and yes. her fluid bracelets. And I mean, you could say she started it all like a modern yes. minimal look in terms of bulky, big jewelry that is gorgeous, timeless. timeless and different, so different than anything else. And yeah, she just keeps coming up, right? Like it's just, I just keep, I keep thinking of different mm-hmm. pieces of hers that I've always liked. There's somebody I'd like to have at my dinner table. Yeah, 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 yeah especially being a woman and doing that and being allowed to. Absolutely. One more. Oh, one more, one more. Um, well, it's funny. This is like go throwback with me. This isn't like so much a modern, a modern. Um, I was thinking about when I was talking about like, all that high school stuff of like the Jersey shore and growing up, Madonna was such a visual breakthrough for me then because it was like, I just had never seen anything like it. And as a young person being creative, but not being that like outlandishly um, creative in any outward way, like it was more just all in here. Well, and it was so groundbreaking. It was. And I just, I mean, there's, I have an 11 year old daughter. And so I was just speaking about that earlier to her about the Vogue, like the MTV word Vogue video, which is oh, yeah. dancers and just the styling, the music, the, um, and the confrontation that she had with norms. And she confronted those, which I kind of less acknowledged at that time and just loved the outfits. But I mean, from a vantage point now too, that's kind of amazing to this day. So, so well said, I, I went to that concert. Oakland Coliseum, uh-huh. 19, whenever it was. Whenever, that's amazing. That was a life changer for m- many reasons. <laughs> it changes you, it changes you. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh. Well, thanks so much for just sharing your point of view and your honest approach and your thoughts about things. And 
I can't wait for people to um, go searching and see what magic you put out into the world and take one of your classes. Highly recommend. Well, this has been delightful. Thank you so much for having me, Marga. Oh my gosh. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Windowsill Chats. Thanks so much for being here with me. It's just so great to be able to bring you these conversations with the fantastic people and wonderful friends that I've met and made along the way. Make sure you subscribe to Windowsill Chats on your favorite podcast app and please share it with a friend. And if this episode spoke to you, I'd really appreciate it if you would also leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can just go to the bottom of the episode you've just listened to and it'll let you leave a review. If you have any questions or want to check out more details or inspiration that we talked about, head over to the show notes at windowsillchats.com or tantostudio.com. They'll both take you to the same place. I can't wait to share more stories with you again next week. I value your time and I absolutely believe in your potential. Have a great one, everyone, and stay creatively curious.